And hello again, everybody. Welcome to another exciting edition of THN on the Cube, brought to you by BetMGM. We'll go over what was week two in the QMJHL regular season. All sorts of news to uh, talk about, um, especially in the last 24 to 48 hours. Um, one of the things that's kind of semi-Q related, but I think we should jump into it right away, uh, Jamie Tozer is... Uh, less to do with the queue and more to do with the NHL because of course that's been the talk of the town or talk of the province here in Nova Scotia the last few days exhibition game between the Panthers and the Senators on Sunday up in Sydney and then of course last night the Pens and the Sens the Crosby homecoming last night and you my friend were there in Halifax uh, which is ironic because you're based out of New Brunswick and I'm 20 minutes away from the rink and I watch it on television. Classic, Regardless. Classic will. Yes, it really is. Yes. Uh, but, you know, hey, this isn't about me. This is actually more about you right now. Tell me, uh, tell me, Jamie, uh, just thoughts on uh, the game, the production, and just uh, the atmosphere in the rink because it looked great. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, you know, not the electric atmosphere that you get for a uh, Moosehead's playoff game or anything like that, but it was cool. Uh, a lot of people there who were clearly very excited to see NHL talent, even though it wasn't a real NHL game. Um, but yeah, lots of Q alumni. Um, production was kind of, was actually kind of weird because it was, it was a Penguins home game and it was treated like a Penguins home game. Like they were like literally advertising season tickets on the big screen. Uh, I doubt they sold too many, but uh, if they did, good for them. Um, yeah, lots of Q alumni. It was neat. Obviously, from a St. John perspective, three former Sea Dogs playing on the Senators, and uh, Ottawa looked pretty good. Uh, Pittsburgh, after seeing that preseason game, I don't think they'll win a game this year. That's my take for the year. Oh, for eight. That's a much hotter take than last year, yeah. last week's hot sure. take, which I forget what that was. <laughs> uh, oh, I did. I actually wrote this down though. The guy in line in front of me was wearing a Ben McCaskill Moosehead's jersey. That is a major throwback. Wow. I actually wrote that down because I thought you'd appreciate that. Uh, very much so. Um, very quick Ben McCaskill story because Connor, our, our producer, says we have probably about 95 minutes to work with here tonight. Um, quick Ben McCaskill story. Uh, my second year of freelancing, I was uh, an analyst for the Moncton Wildcats uh, webcast games. They went to the playoffs in 2007. They lost in game seven in double overtime to the Mooseheads. And the overtime winner, I, I, wanted, I think I would be safe in saying it was probably his only playoff goal, probably one of you know, two or three. I don't have the stats in front of me because I was not expecting that. Ben McCaskill. So there you go. That's my ben, my everlasting Ben McCaskill memory, him uh, ending, uh, ending my second year of freelance broadcast work. Uh, 15 years ago or so so but good find um and yeah plenty of q content uh really in both games of course it was top heavy in cape breton drake batherson mm -hmm. was uh, the star of the show up there with a goal and three helpers and uh you know try as they might to uh, get sid to pop one uh, throughout that game uh, especially in the last uh, few minutes where he probably saw more ice time than he would in a playoff game. Um, just wasn't meant to be since with the, uh, with the two, nothing win here last night, of course, and Three nothing. Um, a big night for Corpus Allo and net for the sense. Yeah. So a uh, great time had by all. And Jamie, uh, you know, you're already back in new Brunswick, but um, good for you to uh, get down and 
and take that in. Uh, at least somebody uh, on this duo is uh, staying fully on top of uh, live events. And, well, we all know that's going to be you. So, <laughs> but uh, turning our attention to the queue, um, we're into week three, or about to approach week three, and there is only one undefeated team left, Jamie. And as you and I totally expected a couple of weeks ago, that team is the Valdor Forer. Um, they're, I mean, it's, I, I've actually had the opportunity to see some of their games on webcasts, just, you know, sort of channel surfing on CHL TV. And they don't look out of place for sure. Um, I think they've gotten contributions from a couple of guys that they never expected. And, mm-hmm. and this has turned into, uh, obviously, you know, you don't expect it to continue, Jamie. But at, at this point, you know, they, they certainly look like uh, a team that's not going to roll over either. Yeah, and we didn't get to do a prediction show, so I actually predicted mm-hmm. Valdor to finish first overall, obviously, right. just like most, yes, like exactly, most people would. Exactly. Uh, no, this is definitely a surprise, and it's <laughs> uh, it's like it's it's still so early. It's like not even worth pointing out that it's early at this point. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like their first weekend beating Ruin Aranda, the Huskies have a lot of new guys, plus they're missing some regulars to NHL camps. You know, and they were close games. Um, you know, okay, mm-hmm. but I think. This was a bit more of a statement, I think, beating Schwinnigan, beating Drummondville, um, you know, good for them. And now I think the big question is, and obviously the question is, can they keep it going? Um, right. And the thing for me is that they're in a division, other than Ruin Aranda, that, you know, they could keep this going. You know, the Armada um, aren't a great team. They're kind of rebuilding. They're not expected to be a great team. Same with uh, Gatineau. We know that they're on the tail end of, uh, of a cycle. Um, so yeah, there's potential there for sure. Um, but we'll see if they can keep it going. It's uh, definitely a good story. Every year there's always kind of that one team that gets out of the gate hot. Um, this was certainly a surprise, but we'll, we'll see what they can do. Yeah, definitely. And uh, doing it without, you know, I, I think the, the, uh, commentary on the four, except for you, Jamie, of course, who picked them to uh, probably yep. win the Jean Rougeau or something. Yep. Um, the, uh, the the commentary on on Valdor was you know they'll go as far as their goaltender William Blackburn will take them whenever he gets back in the lineup. We don't know when he's coming back in the lineup. He's actually still shown as out long term, mm-hmm. and uh, the goaltending duo of Emile Bonnoyer and uh, Mathis Lucier have uh, really stepped up, um, making the uh, making the big saves when uh, when needed, and uh, you know helping the fours. Uh, to that undefeated mark knows they're uh, seventh in the national rankings this week. Of course, I can't say that without laughing because we all know what the CHL top 10 is like. Uh, it's, uh, I was actually thinking this morning, uh, knowing that that ranking was going to come out, I was like, where are they going to put them? Where, 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 like what? This will be the latest. This will be the latest commentary on the fallacy of the CHL rankings. Where are they going to put them? Sure enough, there they are, number seven. Good for them, though. You know, it's you know, it's a good confidence booster to a team that uh, not much expected out of. So yep. uh, we'll see how long they can keep them up and see if they can stockpile a few more points uh, in this early part of the season. And you mentioned the Gatineau Olympic. They're one of only two teams that have not won a game yet. They are 3 and one. The other team, the uh, your defending Memorial Cup champion Quebec Rampart, are zero and four. Um, Gatineau has been it, it hasn't been pretty, but I mean nobody expected it to be pretty. 
But the thing that I don't think anybody expected was the horrendous news that came out of Chicago Blackhawks camp um, earlier this week or last week, I should say. And that's, of course, the uh, uh, injury to Samuel Savoie. Um, I mentioned in the nose he broke his tibia, and that's incorrect. He actually broke his femur. Uh, either way, uh, just a, a cringeworthy injury. And one of those things just kind of gives you chills when you when you see and hear something uh, like that. So, um, you know, one of those big trade ships, Jamie, uh, is gone for a team that really needed it. Yeah, and I, I actually haven't even seen the video. I saw the photos of him screaming on the ice, and uh, I don't need to see the video, I don't think. No. Uh, so, but like... As much as you know, you feel for Savoie, obviously missing a season and a pretty decent NHL prospect and everything like that. But it's hard to not kind of view him as a huge asset to Gatineau in their future of this team. Um, no doubt at all that he was going to be a huge uh, get for a team at Christmas. Now that's certainly all in question, I would say, um, depending on how this is going to going to work out long term. Uh, hopefully, cer- certainly hope he gets back later, later or sooner than later. Uh, but we'll see. And, you know, there's, I, from what I know, there's no real timeline given yet. So uh, um, certainly a, uh, an unusual situation uh, for Gatineau to be put in. Uh, and a team that's struggling, um, averaging just 1.48 goals per game through their first four games. That's the worst in the league. So they could certainly use a player like Savoie too. Um, you know, just not a great start, like you mentioned, Will. Same for Quebec. Uh, um, and, to me, like some of those rebuilding teams, sometimes they can get off to okay starts and, you know, maybe that start can resemble, can turn them into a decent season, but to get off to bad starts like this, it's, it's not a, not a great sign for them uh, for the season. Yeah, definitely. We'll see if uh, they can uh, turn it around in any, in any way, shape or form, but uh, yeah, certainly for a team that probably needed to stockpile, like we just said about Valdor stockpile a few points early on because uh uh, it's just going to be tougher sledding as the season goes on, certainly uh, behind the eight ball even further in Gatineau. And, you know, Quebec uh, you know, Quebec's still searching for the first win as well. So um, we will see when that comes sooner or later. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, uh, it's certainly a tough weekend for Gatineau. And, of course, something interesting early on here, Jamie, is the fact that, you know, Gatineau and Quebec, the only winless teams, but one of only three teams that are Below 500, and I use those in extreme quotation marks. Um, of course, why would that be? Well, there's only one reason why that would be, of course, and that's our friend uh, that I so lovingly refer to as the loser point. 11 of the first 32 games this year have gone to overtime for a shootout, which means 11 extra points spread out throughout the standings. And that means that Quebec, Gatineau, and Chicoutimi, the only sub-500 teams out there um i don't know if i've seen that quantity of uh, extra time games this early in the season or even in any period throughout any other season that i've ever seen i don't know if it's a parody thing or just a, a coincidence but either way that's just that's a very high quantity of games going beyond 60 yeah that's definitely uh, unusual and like you said, I mean, I kind of do wonder if it is a bit of a parody thing because I think you look at the league this year. I don't, I don't know if there's a ton of you know super teams, um, even the bad teams. I feel like there's quite a few bad teams that kind of offset each other basically. 
And I feel like there's a whole bunch of teams kind of in the middle. So I, I do kind of wonder if it is kind of, you know, that parody thing and kind of see how it plays out. But I feel like there's just so many teams that like, we don't really know a lot about so far. I think um, Kate Breton to me is a good example of that. They had that really mm-hmm. bad opening weekend. Um, they come into St. John, they win two games, but both of them were uh, interesting wins that maybe they didn't deserve to win. Um, right. You know, coming from behind twice in the third period. So I feel like there's just a lot of teams uh, that we're not really quite sure about, which is kind of fun and interesting because uh, we could go into, you know, the holiday trade period, even not quite knowing where, where teams think they're at. Yeah. And I mean, things do get diluted a little bit early, uh, early on the season. Players coming back from NHL yeah. camps, of course. So, you know, it's tough to tell, but usually, you know, there's, there's, you know, one real, like there's been a couple of blowouts, obviously. You talk about Cape Breton, they lost 9 yeah. 1 opening weekend to Moncton. You know, there's been a couple of games like that, but, uh, you know, to, to have that many close games, it's, it's even, even with the circumstances that always come with uh, the early part of the season, that that's kind of unusual. But as you mentioned, you know, we're still getting to know a lot of these teams. Um, now there's one place where you're not going to be able to get to know these teams uh, throughout the 2023, 24 season. That's TSN because they've uh, made an announcement here uh, in the last week or so. They will not be broadcasting any regular season CHL games. It's not just a Q thing. Across the board, no regular season games. They will, however, be broadcasting every game of each of the three league finals. And, of course, they'll have the Memorial Cup in uh, Saginaw, Michigan, uh, this late May, early June. Now, uh, Jamie, I know you mentioned on on your blog on Station Nation a bit of a you know a commentary. And uh, I think that bears repeating. What, give me your thoughts on, on what you think of this decision well i think long story short nobody's watching these games i think that's mm-hmm. that's the biggest problem and you know as oh, much why? as you might yeah <laughs> you, and you know you might get mad at tsn for not showing these games but like if no one's watching you can't really blame them um and i think there's a few reasons why you know these random matchups just you know they're not going to work anymore um you've got to create something to make the big matchups on TV in primetime. I think you need to either look at flex scheduling or um, a completely different tournament where you're essentially forcing the best teams in um, other, you know, bigger ideas that I can't even think of. There's like, I feel like there's, I feel like the time has come where we kind of have to rethink the CHL as a, as a national television product. Um, and then at the same time, I'm like, well, maybe it doesn't even matter, honestly. Um <laughs> like I don't I really I struggle with like I don't even know if TV really matters to leagues anymore like maybe they're better off just investing in their own online product that we've seen with CHL TV and we mar- interviewed Mario Ciccini uh commissioner of the Q and he even mentioned that in in our interview about improving the webcast product too so um you know I I'm kind of on the fence and I feel like we're kind of in a in a space right now where um the league, the CHL kind of needs to pick a, pick a direction here. Are they kind of this regional, like super hyper-focused regional league that focuses on local markets, or are they actually going to try and create some excitement nationally um, with the regular season? So um, I find it fascinating. I know a lot of people probably don't, but I find it really interesting. Um, and I think that we're probably going to see some big changes here in the few years. I think when the NHL rights are, are up, with Rogers, I would imagine that it's going to be a pretty different looking market on the other side. Um, and I would suspect the CHL 
uh, rights might be impacted by that as well. Yeah, um, definitely. Especially, you know, if TSN happens to, you know, reclaim the NHL rights, well, uh, that's going to make the CHL rights even less appealing to them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you raise a lot of good points. Um, you know, talking about the matchups, uh, let's be honest, the matchups that were on TSN, um, and I think it's safe to say even nationwide, there's a couple of Regina Pats games in there last year, of course. Yep. You know, everybody wants to see Connor Bedard, and that makes sense. And every time you have that, you know, big superstar, the McDavid, the, you know, the, the Bedard, the Crosby, you know, you, you're probably, maybe you make the attempt to have those games on a little bit more because to be quite honest with you, I mean, as much as it annoys me, you know, we have in this country what, what I always call the world junior, junior hockey fan who follows the world juniors and then doesn't give a crap about junior hockey from September to December and then from January onward, uh, unless maybe their local team makes it deep in the playoffs or if their city's hosting the Memorial Cup, maybe they'll they'll casually go to a game. And you know, as and, and as discouraging as I think that is, because it's it is a truly great brand of hockey, and I, I mean, I obviously, you know. We could talk about that all night, but we'd be preaching to the choir. Chances are, if you're listening to this podcast, you too also <laughs> enjoy junior hockey. Um, but uh, that being said, you know, if the intent is still to draw in new fans, then having a little more accessibility, I think, wouldn't hurt. But, you know, the matchups are one thing. You know, I'll be honest with you, you know, I'll watch pretty much any game, but. Do I get ramped up for, you know, a game last year, for example, between Quebec and Chicoutimi or between Blainville and Sherbrooke? And those were real matchups that TSM broadcast. No, like I'll put them on the background or something, maybe if there's nothing else on. Mm -hmm. But, you know, pay closer attention to what the what the good matchups will be. We know in September that if, you know, this year, for example, if Ruanda and Halifax are playing, it's going to probably be a good game. Or if Moncton and Halifax are playing, or you know, if it's a game involving Baycomo, you know, you know, it's it's probably going to be a good game. Um, so that's one thing. And the other side of it is just pick your time. So Friday night, that's a tough sell for most TV, let alone junior hockey. And I know maybe the TSN looked at it as filler, but you know, if you're going to make a conceited or concerted effort to, and maybe a conceited effort, who knows, uh, to uh, actually uh, actually promote this product, why not just put it on on Sunday afternoons after football season is over? You know, there's a gap there. I know the NHL playoff races are sometimes heating up a little bit, but, you know, throw it in there. See what happens. Maybe a Sunday night even. See what happens. That used to be the the formula back, you know, years and years ago. Saturday, Sunday night junior games were a big thing in big cities. You know, maybe maybe that helps. I don't know. Um, and you know, as much as I think it's admirable that they want to broadcast every game of the final, that's a high concentration of junior hockey in a short period of time. I don't know if it's. I maybe it's just fulfilling the bill of goods that TSN sold to the CHL, but. That's a lot. That's a lot on technical staff, and it's a lot to expect viewers to look at it. So without really knowing where TSN is coming from, it's hard to say. Um, although I do agree with you, uh, Jamie, that 
this is a situation where the teams will need to, or that the leagues themselves, I think, will almost need to reinvent themselves as much as the CHL, improve the quality of the webcasts. And you mentioned, you know, Mario Ciccini mentioned that on, on our broadcast a couple of weeks ago. Um, put more of a concerted effort in, have a broadcaster for home and away. You know, even if they have to call it off a monitor for the away games, make that consistent effort and, and, and just improve the quality of the product so that people might be willing, even casual fans, to partake in it once in a while. But uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of ways TSN could have handled this. And I don't know, I see, I see a couple of big holes there myself. But uh, at the end of the day, I'm with you. There's definitely a change of foot, and it's probably a necessary change if the if the, the CHL wants to really expand upon the brand that they already have. Yeah, and I think you know one point that I don't think is being talked about enough, and you mentioned it briefly, like accessibility to games. Like it's not mm-hmm. it's not easy to watch a Q game. Like we think it's easy to you know just log into CHL TV. Um, and turn it on but you know if you're a fan who isn't you know you might not even know that your local team plays in the chl um, mm-hmm. like you might not know where to watch it you might not know like if it's on tv if it's not on tv you can't go to a you know a local bar and watch it because the games aren't on tv i think you know we don't i i don't want to say this for all the teams but like i don't i don't know if teams value the reach enough i feel like they value ticket sales a little bit more overreach and i think that they're probably losing some fans by uh um making it difficult to watch games difficult to follow games you know games aren't a lot of games aren't on the radio anymore uh which mm-hmm. sounds you know old school but you know there are fans who follow the team on radio there's not as much newspaper coverage um it's just becoming harder and harder for a lot of fans to follow these teams and i think uh, there's a lot of fans who are just going to completely lose interest because they can't really follow it um, so I hope, I hope teams are, are taking, you know, steps to increase the reach of their product. Um, and, you know, and again, like it's, it's not, it's also not cheap to, to watch a CHL TV game or to attend a game in person. No, overall, I think a, a plan needs to be put in place more than this, than just shuffling around the schedule. Um, yeah. now is there, a, you're never going to hit the perfect answer, obviously, but you're, I have a hard time believing that this was the best case scenario. So we will see what happens, especially in the years to come as, uh, as teams are heavily encouraged to increase their uh, production values. Uh, Do the games become more accessible? I think Jamie, I agree with you. Bottom line, they do. TSN's decision doesn't make that any easier. Um, But Again, they're going to have the Memorial Cup. It's going to be in Saginaw, Saginaw, Michigan in 2024. And we know it's going to be in one of two places in 2025 because the announcement was made officially uh, today that the Schwinnigan Cataracts and the Ramuski Oceanic have formally uh, agreed to submit a bid. Uh, Deadline is in November uh, to host the 2025 tournament. and a, possibly more interesting than that, let's talk about a press release that came out yesterday. We're recording on a Tuesday night, by the way, as per usual. Uh, press release that came out on Monday from the Moncton Wildcats, who announced that, um, to the surprise of some, they are not submitting a bid for the 2025 tournament. Um, and it was a very carefully worded press release, Jamie. 
Yeah, this was a very interesting press release. Uh, <laughs> I, they didn't, when I was thinking about this the other day, like they really didn't have to say much of anything. Um, and they mm -hmm. chose to say quite a bit without saying a whole lot. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you know, really putting the emphasis on um, the CHL or the Q wants this in the province of Quebec. And we're not even going to waste our time putting in the work to uh, do the bid. And I know from following the CEDAWs that these bids are not small projects. This is not a, no. this is not a 10 slide PowerPoint. This is like months and months of work. Um, you know, hundreds of pages of documents that go into these things. Um, so you can't really blame the Wildcats for not going through the process. If they truly do believe that they're not going to win the bid. Um, but the way the Wildcats kind of worded this press release, they, they don't sound too happy about the process. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't really blame them all that much, to be honest. Um, and we know Kevin Barrett from Post Media has reported that the Wildcats were, uh, you know, told on a phone call that it was probably going to go to the province of Quebec. Uh, so you may not want to waste your time bidding, um, which I find fascinating. Um, mm -hmm. Because, you know, I, I do wonder about what this phone call actually was, because I, I wonder if it was, uh, we're going to give this to Quebec, or if it was, we'd really like you not to bid so that um, it looks like a bit of a fair process. Because when you look at it, I, I have a hard time viewing um, Schwinnigan or Ramuski's bid. Obviously, I don't have the inside information on what their bids are. But I have a hard time viewing that their bids would be better than Moncton's. So uh, uh, a very interesting uh, storyline that feels a little bit like a, a old storyline from, uh, from uh, 10 years ago. So, um, I just quickly, I'll, I'll very quickly go over. This was the official statement from the Moncton Wildcats. While our organization was deeply committed to bidding on the 2025 Memorial Cup, we've made the decision to forego submitting a bid at this time. Realizing that a major junior hockey team in the province of Quebec has not hosted this national championship in the past 10 years, the chance of winning the competitive bid is very unlikely. We recognize that the Canadian Hockey League wants to ensure various member provinces get to host the Memorial Cup. But we know that our organization, community, and province would have submitted an outstanding bid and organized an exceptional event. We're disappointed we won't have the chance to bring the 2025 championship to our fans and community. Without a reasonable chance of being selected, the Moncton Wildcats cannot commit the time, effort, and resources required to prepare this extensive bid. So, you know, just, you know, ground floor, yes, it's an extensive bid. I remember talking to a guy who we'll probably have on this broadcast at some point in time, Trevor Georgie, who, of course, Jamie, you know very well. The uh, um, Is he now the vice president of operations of the Sea Dogs? If just, I'm not just president. Just president. Yeah, president of the Sea Dogs. And at that point, he was the general manager of the Sea Dogs, and he mentioned – uh, especially because of the COVID constraints, uh, the Sea Dogs had to put together, I believe, a 300-plus page bid in something like 40 days. Uh, very truncated periods. Not normally like that, but the bid process is very exhaustive. Um, so, yes, that's a lot of time and effort. It doesn't matter, COVID or no COVID, you got to put in the work for sure. Now for the rest of the message. Remember where this is coming from, Jamie. Uh, you're a New Brunswick guy. I'm a New Brunswick guy. We know the Irvings. Um, when the Irvings want to put the message out 
to say whatever they want it to say, it's going to be calculated. This thing's going to be more calculated than the freaking flux capacitor in the Back to the Future films. Good like reference. it's Very going to reference. be to every period dot on the I and cross on the T is going to be for effect. And this was a thousand percent for effect. They want people to know, you know what? We were told not to bid. So, hey, we would, you know, we are more than willing to. And of course, they're willing to. The team's going to be at the top of their cycle. Um, they're in a brand new building, five year old building. Um, they would have been up against two teams that have hosted it since Moncton last hosted it. Mm-hmm. Moncton hosted in 2006, then Ramuski in 09, then Schoening in 2012. And none of that really matters. It's no, it's going to Quebec. Um, a province who's hosted three times in a row, by the way. Um, just not since 2015. So I can understand the logic, but I also feel that, and this is a CHL thing, I feel, uh, as much or more than it is a Quebec League thing. Because even the 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 articles that we've seen here, and you mentioned Kevin Barrett's article, uh, Mr. Irving cites the CHL selection committee, not necessarily the Q, but boy, does this ever feel like participation trophy mentality that, you know, doesn't matter if you're the best, you, you know, you gotta, you gotta let everybody have their, their fair shake. And, you know, I know you mentioned 10 years ago and I know what you're referring to. Ironically, if you're referring to what I think you are, it also involves Schwenigan winning the Memorial Cup bid mm-hmm. um, over St. John. Um, so really, I get on the surface why they want to do what they want to do. I just think it's a lousy way to put it. And I think the optics are awful. And I think it could have repercussions on how this tournament is awarded, the willingness for certain cities to submit bids who might be more than qualified. And from a more specific standpoint, what is this going to do to the Moncton Wildcats? Um, when the Wildcats hosted in 2006, of course, they made a run for it. They, they acquired players, uh, Phil Dupuy, Keith Andel, um, guys of that nature, uh, Luke Bourdon, the late Luke Bourdon, um, but they were still competitive the next year, missed the playoffs two years later, but they were right back in. They won another league title four years later. I wouldn't put it past the Wildcats organization to basically say, okay, you don't want us to host. We'll find a way there and basically empty the cupboards. And then the next time you see the Moncton Wildcats in the playoffs is 2028 or 2029. And that's not good for the league either. Um, and nobody, and nobody, nobody's telling the Wildcats to do that, but we've seen it before. I wouldn't put it past the organization to just do it that way. And, um, I don't know. I see, and not to say that Moncton should have had the tournament, but to say, don't even bother host, uh, submitting a bid. That's terrible optics. And I don't think people are understanding uh, from the decision-making level, the repercussions that could come about as a result. Yeah. And like, I, <laughs> I was thinking like at some point, like, do we even want to have 
teams bid anymore? Like, should the CHL just pick a market that they want and mm-hmm. just say, okay, like we, you're, you have a good building, you have a good city. We know you're mm-hmm. probably going to be at your cycle at this point. Do you want to host this? Yes or no? Yeah. Um, hey, based like on I, the I, CHL I, top 10, 10 rankings, <laughs> no offense, Jamie, I don't think I want the CHL determining who's going to be oh, at the top fair. of their cycle or else that's the tournament is going to Valdor in 2025. No offense for us. <laughs> that, that, would, that would actually be a lot of fun. I'd be into that. <laughs> I um, like the, and then on top of that, I think the split, I think this maritime Quebec split, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it because mm-hmm. for people who don't really follow the league that closely, like we do, I think you probably think there are 18 teams that could host this tournament when there isn't. Um, there's probably three, maybe four teams, depending on how you think about Cape Breton, uh, that could host the Memorial Cup in the Maritimes. If Charlottetown mm-hmm. got a building, they could host it too. 100%. Um, and, uh, and you'll be able to throw Shikudami into that mix, sure. I think, too. Sure. Uh, once they have a new building in you know five to five to eight years. Yeah, but like the point is, like the split isn't even. There's maybe three or four teams in all of Quebec. Uh, mm-hmm. that could host it when in, in the Maritimes there are you know three or four teams that could host it so the split it, it isn't quite fair just given that there's almost the same amount of cities that are capable of hosting it so I don't think the whole um, you know Quebec needs to host it twice in a row and then the Maritimes hosts it once and like that makes it even I don't think that's a really fair split mm-hmm. um, and I, I to be honest even as a Maritimer like I I'm kind of okay with Moncton not getting it because like I think it would kind of suck to have the more, I think if, if Moncton got in 2025, we probably wouldn't see it in the, the Maritimes for maybe 12 years, 12 years, uh, to be completely honest, even though that's might be what we see now. Um, well, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you say that, you know, Gatno's already said they want it in 2028 and they'll probably get it. They'll yeah. probably have an inside track on it with the new building and at the top of the cycle. So, I mean, six of one half dozen of another, it almost feels like splitting hairs at a certain point. Like I, I yeah. think, I think just all the extenuating circumstances and the backgrounds and the team capabilities and everything is kind of going out the window. And for it, for a league, you know, I just finished writing an article on the 30th anniversary season of the Mar- of the Q entering the Maritimes. And I talked to Gilles Corteau about it. And one of the things that he always said, in, in, you know, to paraphrase, you know, the league would, there's the league would be nowhere near the way it is now without the maritime teams. And that goes for the teams in Quebec. You probably don't see a new rink in Shawinigan as quickly, maybe not one in Gatineau as quickly, if it wasn't for those guys coming down to the Maritimes 25, 30 years ago and seeing, look what we have down here. So it's almost like, it's almost like the Maritimes are being penalized for their own success. And hence just the terrible optics that are arising from this. Do you think uh, do you think we need to look at this more in the future? Like, do you think that the CHL should be awarding the Memorial Cup right now for like twenty twenty eight? It's not the worst idea. Um, I, I'll say one thing: I think the WHL would love that, uh, yeah. where the building cycle is so much longer, yeah, and, yeah. and and they're drafting you know a year earlier, like they're drafting 08s. Uh-huh. when the rest of the country is drafting 07s. Um, does it have to be four years out? Not necessarily, but I don't think it would hurt to be more than a year and a half out. And now that's where one where the OHL for years and years, I can't remember what it's like now, but the OHL used to award a year or less out. Uh-huh. And it's just, it, it, it's kind of 
kind of maddening in a way. Like you're, you want to put on a good show, but you don't know if you're going to be the one putting on the show until almost the last minute. Yep. You've missed a major trade period in, in, the, in the process. So absolutely, you know, give it three years. That's, that's your average junior hockey cycle is three to four years. It shouldn't be impossible. Or like you say, Jamie, just let the CHL pick whoever they want. Yeah. Uh, another question. I'm really flipping the script in this one. I'm, I'm hosting the show now. Uh, this is pretty good, actually. No, I'm taking the night off. This is great. Another one, another one for you. <laughs> it, okay, so I think we both agree Moncton's probably not going to a bid on the Memorial Cup until 2031. I, I can't right. imagine they're going to do it 28. No. Uh, will the Memorial Cup format be the same in 2031, do you think? I think it's entirely possible that it changes. There's a lot of new blood coming in through the higher ranks of the CHL. Obviously, Dan McKenzie's been there for a few years now. Um, David Branch is on his way out this year. Uh, Ron Robinson, probably not too much longer. And, of course, Marriage Cheney. So you're going to have a lot of new guys with a lot of new ideas. And one thing that I know I've heard um, you know, just off the cuff from people within the CHL ranks is that some people are a lot more open to change now. Uh, people who are now newly involved in the CHL, they're open to change on some of these things. And quite frankly, I don't think it's the worst thing. Um, how you how you do that? Uh, do you have wildcard teams involved? Maybe do you you know do you do you make it more appealing uh, from that standpoint? Um, which seems to be the most obvious one. Gets more teams, fan bases interested um bolsters ratings you know going back to the tsn point uh -huh. um you know i i think there's a very distinct possibility you know if you know if if you're going to promote change and really you know at the basis maybe what we're talking about here with the wildcats and with the, and with the 2025 bits maybe this is somewhat promoting change not with great optics again but you know if if the, the decree is coming down that, no, we want a Quebec team to host it. That tells me that there's a group of people involved now who probably have a bit of a different mindset than, than the people that came before. I think it should be looked at seriously. Um, you know, you know we, we've had this format for 40 years. It worked well in its time, just like a best of seven series between East versus West worked well in its time. Um, three team tournament worked well in its time. The tournament's evolving. Um, and if you want to expand the appeal of junior hockey, what better way than to have more teams involved in the biggest stage of junior hockey? Yep. What yeah, are your I, love it. I, I would love it. I would love, I'm open to anything. There's no, I've written about this a million times. We talked about it lots of times. Like there's no simple, obvious format out there for this. Um, mm -hmm. Like they're going to have to get creative in a way, but I would love to see it. Um, it would also be, absolutely classic wildcats if this tournament lasted until like 2030 um and then they just axed it because i don't i don't know if there's any franchise that has had worse luck with the memorial cup than the wildcats have uh we could do an entire episode on why the moncton wildcats might be a cursed franchise yep. uh we won't get into that um despite me joking about it being a 95 minute uh, episode uh, connor's probably looking at the watch right now so we'll forego that but i will say this much um you know if if the if the chl feels that it has the ability to step in and make a comment like this then I really think they they should see it upon themselves to have the ability to come in 
and and revamp things that that have a better outcome and have good optics and that benefit the entirety of junior hockey throughout Canada and the northern U.S. Um, you know for for years to come because you know it's it, it certainly seems that there's more there, there's a very different voice now uh, now uh, speaking uh, to to all the teams in the CHL. Let's use it for good. Um, we're almost out of time here, but let's run down a couple of quick things and, you know, let's stick on the Memorial Cup topic. Of course, one of your favorite topics, Jamie, your 2022 Memorial Cup champion, St. John Sea Dogs, and a key member of that team, Cam McDonald. Of course, we all know what happened to Cam and his family over the summer. They unfortunately, lost their house uh, during the uh, wildfires here in Nova Scotia back in May. Um, and he lost his Memorial Cup ring, a very touching gesture as the uh, Cape Breton Eagles, Cam's new team, came to St. John over the weekend. And Scott McCain, the owner of the Sea Dogs, presented Cam with a new replacement ring. Just you'll love to see it. And quite frankly, I'm, you know, I, as the non-Sea Dogs correspondent here, I think this might ha- hold a little more weight when I say Scott McCain, not surprised because he's been consistently one of the classiest guys involved with the league. Yeah, a really nice touch. And then uh, McDonald uh, destroyed the Sea Dogs uh, for two games along with the uh, Yeah, Rivers you know, too. I thought, yeah, you know, might have heard that too. That was, was very touching. <laughs> very nice though. Very nice though. Uh, yeah. Also, real neat. I don't want to say like a cool photo because it's kind of sad, but a neat and interesting photo anyway circulating online of the old Memorial Cup ring that's right. uh, been shared in the fire. Yeah. Cool. It, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice very, that they found it at least. Yeah, felt kind of symbolic, really. Yeah, you know, really. But no, no. We uh, of course wish uh, all the best to Cam, his family, and everybody else uh, who has been affected by by that tr- those tragic fires. Um, also, a quick shout out to Cole Burbage, another former Sea Dog, who got Player of the Week honors because of those two Cape Breton wins. But now we turn our attention to next week. Um, a lot of key matchups, Jamie. Uh, anything stand out for you? What are you looking at uh, the next seven days or so in the queue? Well, starting to get that maritime Quebec crossover for the first time. Mm-hmm. So those are be some some interesting matchups. Uh, see Victoriaville come through the Maritimes. Um, also, just curious to see what teams kind of step up here. Where you know a lot of most or most of the players from NHL camps are back. They've had some time to adjust back to their teams. So I'm kind of curious to see which teams kind of hit um, cruise control starting this weekend. Definitely, definitely. Get another battle in Nova Scotia. The first edition, Halifax, Cape Breton, taking place Wednesday night. Um, you know, Ryan, Randa, and Drummondville locking horns again. Second week in a row. This time will be on uh, Thursday in Drummondville. So all sorts of interesting action to look forward to this next seven days. We're going to put things on pause for now, and we'll be back in about seven weeks with all the latest from around the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. So for Jamie Tozer, I'm Will McLaren. This is THN on the Q, brought to you by BetMGM. We will see you next week.